not been involved in the discussions and dialogues and machlokas that exists within the Torah community, you may not be aware that tomorrow is a very confusing day. It's a confusing day on a hashkafic level, and it's legitimately confusing. What is the significance of a Jewish state, Jewish sovereignty in Eretz Yisrael, pre-Mashiach, with a secular foundation? It's hashkafically confusing, and it's halachically confusing. What are the appropriate halachic responses for a Torah Jew who does see significance? So it's legitimately confusing. Today should not be confusing. If we learn from our sources, if we learn from our name of the past generation, there should be no confusion about today, which has been set aside to honor and memorialize the Kedoshim, the holy people who have given up their lives to protect us so that we can be living in Eretz Yisrael, that you can be here learning Torah, that Jews can be in Eretz Yisrael, and there should be no confusion about that. Ironically, there is confusion both in the religious Haredi camp and in the secular camp. And these confusions feed on each other, and they're all built on the conflict of the secular nature of the state versus the redemptive quality of the state. From a Haredi perspective, if it's a secular state, why are we participating in secular ceremonies? In the secular world, if we're not going to have a religious foundation, how do we properly honor the memory of the soldiers who have given their lives? It even goes deeper than that. There's even a conflict in the secular community whether shol, bereavement, is a value. It's, we have to be appreciate the pain of bereaved parents or its weakness. We have to stand up. That's a confusion. So the siren that we're going to have at 11 o'clock, I think, is the overlap of that confusion. See, the secular had a problem. We don't want to impute a religious significance to this day. So what do we do? So they imported what is pretty much a non-Jewish idea. We will have a siren with two minutes of silence. So of course, the Haredi reaction to that is, well, if they're doing it because of that, we have to ignore it. We have to find the common ground. And we have to know why it's important for every Jew, especially you sitting here and every Torah Jew to be honoring and memorializing the fallen soldiers. They gave up their lives, the ones who died and the ones who are still alive but are wounded or rolling around in the trenches, all of these soldiers sacrificed so that you can be here, so that you can be learning Torah, so that you can be enhancing your Yiddishkeit. 
and that you have the schus of being in Eretz Yisrael, they made the sacrifice so you can do that. This sacrifice, first of all, makes them kedoshim, it makes them holy. And in a minute, we're going to also see the chiyuv, the absolute imperative of hakaras hatov that you have to have. And what is, imp- what is imperative on you, what can you do Be- and connect with them? So there are two stories that I want to tell. They're famous stories, but again, it's possible that in this seaboard, they're not as well known as they need to be. And then there's a very famous Dvar Torah from Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, the Rashiv of Mir, that he said over in his shoes after the Yom Kippur War. Maybe even, I could have admitted it was during the Yom Kippur War. So, this is a story of Rav Gustman. We actually have a biography of him written by one of our alumni, Rav Yisrael Gustman one of the unsung gedolim of the previous generation. I say unsung gedolim because he was definitely one of the greatest Torah scholars. At a very young age in Vilna, he was already a member of Rav Chaim Brzezinski's based in. I don't think he was even 20 years old. That's how great he was. But he was unsung because he was very modest and he wasn't interested in politics and he wasn't interested in public positions. He had a little tiny yeshiva in Rechavia. But he was, a, he was a person of greatness. And he was a Holocaust survivor. And he rebuilt his life in America and then Eric Israel left of the Holocaust. And he used to give a shir once a week that was attended by lots and lots of balafatim and intellectuals. And one of the people that was a regular was Professor Yisrael Alman, who was the Nobel Laureate in Economics. And Professor Alman had a son who was killed in the Lebanese war. And when that happened, Gustman closed down his whole yeshiva and went to the Leviah. And right after the Leviah, right after the funeral, he then went to be Menachem Oval by Professor Alman. And here's what he is quoted as having said to Professor Alman um, at, the, at the shiva. Now, Rav Gustman had his wife and his child killed during the Holocaust. This, you'll see in the story exactly what happened. I, I read you the story as it was told over by somebody who was there. I am sure that you don't know this. This is Rav Gustman speaking to Rav Alman. But I had a son named Mayer. He was a beautiful child. He was taken from my arms and executed. Grabbed away from Rav Gustman's hands. That's, that's not in this story, but that's in another place where he talks about it. I later bartered my child's shoes so that we could have food. And I was never able to eat the food because of where it came from and I gave it away to others. My son Mayer is a kadosh, holy, because he was uh, killed by the, by the Nazis. He and all the six million who perished are holy. But I'll tell you what is inspiring now in the Olam HaEmes, the world of truth in Gan Eden. He's talking now to Professor Amun, whose son has just been killed in the Lebanese war. My mayor is welcoming your Shlomo into the minion and is saying to him, I died because I'm a Jew, but I wasn't able to save anyone. You, Shlomo, died defending the Jewish people and the land of Israel. My mayor, says Rav Gosman, is a kadosh, he's holy. But your son Shlomo is the shliach tzibur of the minion. He is the holiest person in that minion. 
And then, he, and then he sat with him. He said, I never had a chance to sit shiva for my son. I want to sit with you to memorialize your son. This was Rav Guzman's attitude to somebody who was killed defending the Jewish people. Rav Zalman Oyerbach, the story goes that a Talmud once came to ask permission to miss two days of learning to go to the north to make a Kibre Tzadikim tour, a tour of the graves of all the Tzadikim. And Rav Zalman said, no, learning Torah is more important. So he said to Rav Zalman, but isn't there an Indian to go to Daven on Kibre Tzadikim on the on the graves of the holy people. So Rosh Hashanah said, you don't need to go to the north. Go to Har Herzl. Those people are Kedoshim. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, during the Yom Kippur, again, I'm not sure if this Shmuz was said, during the Yom Kippur War, apparently it was said during the Yom Kippur War. It says Erev Sukkot. So Erev Sukkot was still during, during the Yom Kippur War. He talked about the soldiers who were fighting, and those were being killed, and he compared them to Harugay Lud. The Gemara has a story about two people where the governor, the governor's daughter was, was killed, murdered. And he said, if, the, if you don't turn over the murderer to me, he suspected the Jews, if you don't turn over the murderer to me, I'm going to wipe out the whole town. And two Jews stepped forward, even though they were not the murderers, and they confessed to the crime. And they confessed to the crime to save the rest of the Jews. And it says in the Gemara, they are Haruge Lud, they are at the highest level in Olam Haba. And Rechaim Shulevitz said, the soldiers now, they are exactly like Haruge Lud, they are giving up their lives to protect the lives of other Jews. We have to appreciate that. So there is no question of the Hakaras Hatov that we have to have, the, the question of our responsibility to do whatever we can to be ma'ala the neshamos of those holy people. Standing for two minutes in silence during a siren doesn't seem to be the Jewish way. But during those two minutes and for the 15 minutes before, we're going to do it the Jewish way. We're going to learn Mishnayas, the Mishnayas that are learned le'ilui nishmas, Mishnayis in Meseches Mikvos that start with the letters Nun, Shin, Mem, Hei, Neshama. And during the siren, the appropriate way is to say Tehillim. We'll say Akel Mali Rachamim right before the siren, and then saying Tehillim, in our opinion, is the most appropriate way that we can take those two minutes of silence. If you want to have something positive about the secular two minutes of silence, people have said, we now know that there's going to be two minutes in Eretz Yisrael where nobody is talking Russian heart. Talk about, talk about looking for the positive. I'm sure if Levi Yitzhak Barbdichev, if he would have been alive today, that's what he would have said. Two minutes, no Russian heart. But that's not good enough for us. We're going to try to do better. Hakaras Hatov, appreciation. That's in Musr, that's there are Bali Muslims who say, Zekol Ha'adam. You have to appreciate that they made the sacrifice. There's even more than that. And this is a hard thing to do, and it's an imperative. It's called, No Se'bo'olim Chavero. That you carry a burden of your friend, even though you don't really have that burden. You have to feel it. I want to share a, a shlaw about that, where the shlaw is bothered in the beginning of Sefer Shmos, where it lists the names of Reuben, Shimon, Levi, all the tribes. So the Pesach says like this, 
Ela Rashi Beis Avosam Bnei Ruvain, and it lists them. It says Bnei Shimon, and it lists them. And then it says Elu Shmos Bnei Levi. It adds an extra word. So the, the Shlo wants to know why. And he says because Levi was not part of the Shibu. They were not enslaved. They, they had a free pass. And yet, they named their kids after the Shibu. They felt, and the, and the Shlo goes on to say, that a person has to learn from this. You have to participate in the pain of the community. Even though the pain doesn't directly affect you. Baruch Hashem, you are all insulated from the pain. You don't have any relatives who were killed in battle. You didn't go into the army. You don't have the pain. But it's your job to work, to feel the pain of all of those who have suffering because of lost children, because of lost spouses, because of lost parents. You have to feel the pain, and that's hard. That's no say, ball in chavero. So what we can do is learn from them, from their Messirus Nefesh, and be inspired by it. So your Messirus Nefesh isn't to give up your life, but there's a lot you can do for the Jewish people. There's a lot you can do for, for Torah. You can improve your behavior and your extra learning and dedicate today's learning to the Eloi of their Nishamos that we believe has impact. That's why we're going to learn Mishnayas, and that learning is to be Ma'ala their Nishamos. Akaras Atov to appreciate and commit to make sure that their sacrifice is a sacrifice for Kiddush Hashem and that you are taking advantage and utilizing the opportunities that you have because of their sacrifice. When we think about that, that's the true Ilui Neshama, that's our true participation in this national day of memorializing the soldiers. We're now going to learn the Mishnahis of the Shah.
two minutes of the, of the uh, siren, you can say Mishnah, it's not, you can also think of a personal Kabbalah. You can think of something you'd like to take on Lila Nishmasam, that will last, not just for this day, but last in your whole life. That would be also a schuss for that. Okay, so no further ado, so let's jump in. We're talking about the din of a mikvah. Mikvah needs um, 40 saw. 40 saw is about 200 gallons, okay? 40 saw. Now, the Mishnah starts, again, we're on page 806. Um, 806, so let's learn the Mishnahites together. Nafal litoko yain omocha. Very interesting, right? We're talking about what happens, different extrapolations of problematic things happen to the mikvah. So if falls into the mikvah, yain, wine, or mocha, mocha is olive water, it's the stuff that's not shemen, it's like a byproduct of olive. Okay, that's mochel. Bishinui mitzas mara. And it changes part of the color of the mikvah. Of course, the mikvah, right, looks like it should water, right? Um, and now the wine falls in or the olive water falls in and it changes part of the mikvah. So it doesn't look like a mikvah anymore. Right? That's the issue. That's the problem. So what's the mission of Paskin? In Aimbo Mara Maim Arbaim saw. If you don't have those 200 gallons that still retain the color of the mikvah, you should not be told in the mikvah. Okay, that's din number one. Meaning, let's say the mikvah has altogether 60 saw, right? Has 300 gallons, has extra, so part of the color, part of the mikvah has been discolored through the wine, part isn't discolored, so as long as you have a, um, it seems to be as long as you, the mikvah retains our boy saw 40 ga- uh, 200 gallons of clear clarity, you can be tovel, but otherwise don't be tovel. Okay, that was the nun of Nishama. Shin. Shloshalugin Mai. Okay, this is a famous concept. Those of you who learn, learn uh, Makus have run into it. Three lugin of shuvim, Mayim shuvim. Interestingly, water that's drawn can possibly the mikvah. Okay, three lugin. Now, we'll say, how much is a lug? Yeah, this is a good thing to know. What's a, what is a quarter of a lug called? Who knows? Revius, right? When we use the famous term revius, revius is revius of a lug, okay? Now, how much is a revius of a lug? It's 86, osios, uh, kos. Okay, kos is 86. That's a standard share. Going to the Bhagavad right now, right? That's 86. 86 times 4 is 344, okay? 344 is about the size of a coke can. So a lug is about the size of a coke can, right? Or if you like Fanta, it could be a Fanta can, right? That's, that's a lug. Three lug is about a liter, okay? So we have drawn water. If three lugum of drawn water falls back into the mikvah, it passes the mikvah, it invalidates the mikvah. That's why it's very important to watch. That doesn't matter. You, you won't necessarily be able, to be able to see it. And we'll see in the moment how easy it is to make mine shuvah, okay? So that's the introduction. Now let's see, the mission is going into a detail in that general idea of three lugum passing the mikvah. Shlosha lugum mayim. The Nafal Litovan Court of Yain. Court of is a very, very small amount. It's a 64th of something. I don't remember what, but it's very little. Now, but so I, I have my three Lugin, which is problematic, right? Again, usually water is good. Here, water is bad, right? Water usually is good. Drawn water is bad. So if I have the three Lugin Mayim, the Nafal Litovan Court of Yain, a little bit of wine falls into them. Vahare Mar Ein Kemara Hayayim. And the look has now been taken over by the wine, counterintuitively, that's good. Because it doesn't look like mine should anymore, it looks like wine. And therefore it doesn't possible. Okay, 
as opposed to regular Mayim Shuvim, this doesn't because the color, the, the discoloration that the Yain did saves it. Okay, next extrapolation. Now if I have three Lugin, right, that liter, minus a Korta, minus a little bit of drawn water, and a little bit of, what's Chalav? Milk, right, which has the color white, right, white milk falls in and is mashlim and completes the three lugim. Everybody got the situation? Right? I have less than three lugim of water and a little bit of milk falls in. But now what happens there? And now the milk is not enough to change the overall color of the water. So what does it look like? Let's think about this case. What is it? It looks like Mayim Shuvim. It looks like three Lugan of drawn water, but in fact it isn't really three lugan of water, right? Because uh, a little bit of it is, is the milk. But nothing That doesn't possible, right? Because we look at the reality that it isn't actually three lugan of water. It's only three lugan lacking uh, a little bit. So therefore, the Tanakhama says it doesn't possible. But Rabbi Yoga Ben Nuri says, Omar everything goes by the Mara, right? And therefore it what? What do you say, Lishui? It does possible, right? Because even though it doesn't, you don't actually have water, it looks like water, since it looks like water, they're possible. Makalokis, Tanakama, and Rabbi Menduri. Okay, that was the shin. Mem. Mikva sheishbo arboin sa'a mechuvanos. What does mechuvanos mean? Mechuvan. What's that word? It's only kavana? Weighted. Weighted, exact. Okay, mechuvan is when you're mechavin, mechavin means kavana, you know what you're doing, so mechuvanos means exactly. Right? Well, so generally, it's not good to use a mikvah that has exactly 40 saw mukhubanas because it's so easy to make a puzzle. Right? So you have that mikvah. That's our starting point. Mikvah, sheish barbon saa mukhubanas. Yardu shnayin v'tabu zafarzeh. So Ruben goes into the mikvah and then Shimon goes into the mikvah. You get the problem? What's the problem? Because when Ruben comes out, what does he do? Take some of the water with him. Right? So Harisha and Ruben that went into the mikvah first, went into 40 saw. And it is taller. Vasheni, though the second one is Tame, because we assume that obviously some of the water has gone out with the Rishon. Therefore, the mikvah that the second one went into no longer has 40 saw. Okay, Rabbi Yehuda on there, Rabbi Yehuda has a kula. He has a leniency. If the feet of the first one were in the water, then Avasheni Tahor. That's really cool, right? He sees that if the Rishon is still touching the water, so the water that's on his body is still considered to be in the mikvah. Therefore, this shame is also taller. Hippobo esa sagus, right? Um, if one immerses a thick cloth, same basic kalacha, shal rishon. I'm sorry. In hayu hippobo esa sagus ve'alu Right? If I put a thick cloth into the mikvah and I pick it up, mikzaso no gebamayim. If some of that thick cloth is in the water, then it's taller. Right? Same issue. Because when I take that cloth out, I take some of the water with it. And now there's less than 40 saw in the mikvah. But according to that opinion, if the cloth is still touching the water, that means that the water that's in the cloth is still considered to be in the mikvah. Therefore, you still have 40 saw. Beautiful. Okay, that was the, uh, that was the mem. And finally, Mishnah Zion, the final Mishnah we get to is hey. Hitbil bo esamita. It's just really fascinating, Rabbi. So you see how much the time when you learn Mishnah together, how there are all these different uh, iterations and 
and extrapolation of different dinim, you have to know. This is what learning with is all about. Okay. Hitfield Boaz Amita. One who is Tobal Amita. What's Amita? A bet. Right? Who can anybody see what problem the problem's gonna be? Hippo at Amita. Apo Pishiragla Shokos Petit Abet. What's the problem? Right? We're not talking about the nice, beautiful uh, cement mikvah, which you guys go in. We're talking about the you know dirty types of mikvahs that I go in. And it's got uh, it's got um, Clay on the bottom, right? Clay. Now, therefore, when you put the when you put the bed in, what happens, guys? The legs of the bed go in, right? So, therefore, you don't have all of the all of the bed in the mikvah at the same time, right? I put the bed in; it goes into the mikvah, right? By the time the top of the mikvah goes in, by the top time the top of the bed goes in, the feet of the mikvah, the feet of the bed are already in the clay. Are already in the in the dirt. Okay, It's still cleansed. It's still tahor. The mikvah has done its job. Because the water came first. Since the water hit the legs first, it's therefore it seems to be a kula that it works. Okay, mikvah shemeima merudadin. What is merudadin? We spoke about night before. We don't want to be shallow. Okay, that's what we're not looking for. We want to be deep. Mikvah shemeima merudadin. A mikvah, that's waters are shallow. But what's the problem? Obviously, it has the necessary shear. What's the necessary shear? How much do we need for a mikvah? What do you say? How many gallons is that? 200. 200 gallons, right? So it has the necessary amount, but it's rudad. What's the problem with the, what's the problem with the shallow mikvah? Guys, what's the problem? You can't get in it, right? Not gonna, not gonna work. You're not gonna get in. I will be sure, sorry. Mikvah shimei mag merudadin. Kobe shafila chavile chavile eitzim. You push into it. Chavosh means to like conquer, but here means like to to press down. You press into it a bundle of wood, a bundle of kanim or reeds. In order that the mine, the level water level goes up. You're the top. In other words, you're making the mikvah user friendly, right? It has enough water. How do you actually make it with enough depth that you can be uh, they can go into it by um, pushing into it? Kabili Eitzim or Kabili Kanim, and that works, and then go in, go with the mikvah with the day. Okay, and finally, Rabosai, our final halacha, machachi netuna amalot hamaara. Okay, you have a needle, right? By the way, not just people need tara, but sometimes kalim need tara. There's a whole sugya in many, many places in Shas, had a metaher uh, kalim. So you have a machat, which became impure, right? Originally impure, tame. Machachi netuna. Al Malote Ma'ara, which was on the steps of the Ma'ara. Now, what's the problem? The steps of the Ma'ara, it's not clearly in the mikvah, but it's not really clearly outside of the mikvah, right? Because the waters of the mikvah are going back and forth on the Ma'ara. Hayamolech maybe Bamayim, the water is going back and forth. Kaven Shavar Lehagal, since the Gal of the mikvah will be over on it, right? Meaning we assume that in the back and forth of the water moving, it sweeps over it, right, even though that's not clearly being into the mikvah, that is Tahorah, that has uh, cleansed the machat and is now Tahor, and Bezat Hashem, our new Torah should be Mitarras, and we should go into the waters of Torah.